talking about the fruit of the Spirit this month, right? Now, last month we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and this month we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit because it's nine gifts, nine fruits of the Spirit. So we're continuing on with this absolutely wonderful topic about kindness. And everybody is thrilled to think about kindness. Galatians 5, 22, 23 is our anchor verse. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, when I think about kindness, I do not get excited by that topic whatsoever. In fact, I think that probably men don't really relish the word kindness too much because it's usually when your wife or your mother is saying, now we need to be kind, which means you're being a little bit of a numpty, right? You're being a little hard, a little harsh, a little difficult, maybe being just a little bit rude. Kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. But I love the way that the Greek actually uses it in nerdy time. The Greek the, the, the says it in the New Testament, where it basically says it means to meet a need and avoid human harshness. Now, for men, we love meeting needs. I'm the man, and I'm going to fix this problem, and I'm going to tell you what your problem is, right? We're not very good at avoiding the human harshness. That's a, that's a common problem for men, where I think that women tend to be much kinder, not my mother necessarily, but tend to be much kinder when it comes to kindness, right? But what is kindness made up of? What is it made up of? I believe that kindness is made up of words and actions and you can't divorce them. You can't just have kind words but not have kind actions. That's empty. You can't just have kind actions even though those things are good and not have kind words because then it tends to repel people away from you. So the two things are words and actions. Let's talk about words just for a second. Words, I believe, determine the reception of your actions. They determine the reception of your actions. That means that maybe your actions will not be accepted by another person, even though they're good intended actions, even though they're good deeds. Maybe a person doesn't want to receive your good deeds because your mouth is just a potty mouth, right? And I wonder if actually this is a huge problem in Scotland, right? Because we have an amazing gift that God has given Scottish people, and that is the gift of sarcasm. Do I have any Scots in the room today? Anyone else? Maybe you've got Scottish lineage, right? The gift of sarcasm. In fact, we have a show in Scotland it's actually, it's like, a tea, it's like a comedy show and they have this skit which is called Recovering, Recovering Sarcasmaholics, right? And I wonder if I'm a recovering sarcasmaholic too. In fact, they have it, so they've, they've got this group and they're all meeting together and go, hi, my name's Peter, I'm a recovering sarcasmaholic. And then they get the new guy coming in and he's like, his name's Tom. And he's like, hi, my name's Tom. I'm a sarcasmaholic. I'm like, hi, Tom. Hi, it's great. And they're like, share, us about, share with us about the difficulties you have. And he starts pouring his heart out and the problem is is when a person pours their heart out it triggers everyone else and they start going sarcastic on them right it's, it's that's what we call the British Parliament right they're just constantly at each other's throats. So it's like a one-upmanship that we actually have and it's built into our culture in fact we even have words like so there's a phrase called I right right I means yes I know it's Scottish word, right? Yes, right. So I, right. And it depends how you say it that makes all the difference of what it actually means. In fact, so you have the English language here and then floating underneath, you have the sarcasm just twisting and manipulating these words to mean something else. So if I say, I, right, 
That means, yes, I agree, that's good, I receive what you've got to say. But if I say, ah, right, that means, no, you're a numpty. But if I go, ah, right, that means you think I'm a numpty. There's just all these different layers, right? Does is, is anyone speak that language with me? Does anyone do that? When I first moved here, I remember, aye, right, aye. I remember when I first moved here and, 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 I was, and I made good friends with this couple, this young couple, lovely couple, and, and we hung out a lot, etc. cetera. And, and I remember her talking about the, some difficulties she was having in her marriage, you know, as we were sitting together and just chatting, blah, blah, blah. And I remember saying to her, I hope I am never married to someone like you. And you can imagine... That sounded funny to me when it went through my head and out of my mouth. And then she burst into tears. Talk about emotional damage, right? TikTok language for you, right? So, so I was like, oh, I guess that's not as funny as I thought it was, right? And, 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 this, and what I realized in that moment was maybe sarcasm doesn't work here. Maybe it's not accepted, especially in this situation. I think there are many times when we, <coughs> when, when we are, 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 are trying to use words and phrases and we think that we're being smart or clever or we think we're interacting with people, but we're actually not doing a good job at it. One of the phrases I see us use often is, I'm just saying, right? I'm <coughs> just saying. But the amazing thing is with the word I'm just saying is that it's like a permission to use truth to stab another person while magically trying to neutralize their right to be offended by what you just said, right? Well, you're, you're fat and bald, right? I'm just saying, like somehow just saying gives you the permission to not actually say, to, for them to not come back at you or some of that. Because I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying a truth. Because we have this idea that the truth will set you free. But if the truth is spoken with revenge and malice or bitterness or sarcasm or unkindness to pull the person down, it doesn't work. You see, when your wife gets up in the morning, she might be wearing an old t-shirt and she might have her hair all disheveled, but you saying, oh, you look like a homeless person. That might be you just saying and it might be true that she looks like a homeless person, but the truth is, I wouldn't want to wake up beside anybody else other than you. Which truth do you want to speak? Which truth do you want to give out? What truth do you want to use in order to set other people free? Because we are making a decision. Are we actually going to set other people free? Now, here's an opinion, just an opinion, no scripture here whatsoever. I believe this is probably why Trump lost his office. Now, you might say, oh, it's because of the people that were against him. It's because he was a bad president. Or you might say, he was a wonderful person. He did amazing things. But I wonder if there was something that just tipped the scales that people didn't want to hear what was coming out of his mouth anymore. Why? Because I believe that people tire of words with no grace. There is time for war. When we're going into war, you want a strong man. You want someone who's going to go in with a sword and he's going to slice and dice. You want someone who's going to get to the truth. But at some point, people tire very quickly of war and they don't want to be in war anymore. They just want to be at peace. In fact, his, his mother was Scottish and he was half Scottish, which might explain a lot now, right? 
right? I mean, how weird is that? I'm like, I didn't, I'm like, don't tell anyone he's Scottish, right? I'm only telling you now because he's no longer in office. They didn't want anyone throwing rocks at me. But, but, but in fact, it's rabbit trail. His mother's cousin was a man of God, used to come to my father's church a lot and preach when, when it first started. He was a man of God. And I'm not making any equations between what Trump is and what Trump is not. I'm not here to make a political statement. It's just my point is this. I believe that your mouth matters when it comes to how people can receive your good gifts and your good deeds. In Proverbs verse 15, verse one, it says, a soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It doesn't matter how good you are, how wonderful you are at doing a job, how successful you are at business, how, how, how right you are in the things that you do or you say, but if it's not spoken with kindness, I believe that people can't receive whatever it is you're trying to give to them. Something powerful about our words. But please note this. I believe that kindness does not mean a loss of forthrightness. Today, I believe the word be kind means don't say anything unless I become offended. I don't want to become offended, so don't say anything offensive to me. Just be kind. It's linguistic castration. It's cutting off the productivity of the power of words. The art of speaking freely comes with the risk of offending people, not the purpose of offending people, but the risk of offending people. But it doesn't have to have the intention of pulling people down and trying to break them. Proverbs 3, 3 says this, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Both of them are connected together. They must work together. And it says, put it around your neck. Why is it around your neck? Because I believe it should be like a filter to the words that are about to come out of your mouth. Before you say the words, let them go through the, the filter. Let them be choked by the filter of kindness. Before you even formulate your ideas, let your heart be filled with kindness so that this chases away the desire for you to be in control of everything. Kindness must temper truth. It must temper truth. As Christians, don't fear speaking truth at the right time, but please do the kingdom a favor and don't be a donkey about it. Don't be a hee-haw. Here's the second thing. The first thing was all about words, but the second thing is actions. Your kind actions legitimize your faith. They legitimize your faith. In, <clears throat> excuse me, in Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. It's basically saying, be like Christ. And being like Christ is being kind. I believe you can't forgive a person without a spirit of kindness. It's not possible. It's required. Kind actions are hard, if other, if the other, especially if the other person doesn't really deserve it. When I was a child, about five years old, I had a problem with kindness. And I remember my, my parents had a very small church and there was maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 kids that were in the church, not a lot of kids. And they decided at Christmas time to throw a party for the kids and they gave all the kids a gift. And so I remember getting one of the gifts and it was like a Tonka truck and I put it under my arm. I'm like, I'm so excited. I got myself a Tonka truck a toy for Christmas. It's really easy to receive a kind gift from someone else. But it turns out this Indian family just turned up late to the party and they didn't see 
that they could have signed up for an actual gift. So all the gifts were given away and their little five-year-old boy didn't get a gift. And I will never forget standing at the top of the stairs and at the bottom of the stairs was this Indian mother with her Indian little boy and he's standing there boohooing his eyes out because he doesn't have a toy. And my mother's kneeling down in front of him trying to comfort him. I'm so sorry you don't have a toy. And then suddenly she looks up at me. And at five years old, you have a sixth sense about something's happening here and I don't have an exit to this room. What is going on right now? I don't, I don't like this. And so she gets up to her feet and then she comes up the stairs and then she kneels in front of me and she goes, Peter, I'd like you to give your toy to that young boy. And I'm like, no. He's late, his problem. My toy, I received it. There's no Indian givers here, right? There's no returning things going on. Hello. You could take that one home with you. And she goes, it would be the kind thing to do. Now, if I knew how to use curse words, I might have used them in that moment. Part of me wanted to say, hell no. I don't want to give my toy away. But her hands reached out, took the toy, and just took it away from me, and then went down the stairs and gave it to the little boy. Now, I didn't stand there and cry, right? Because I'm not a crier. I just got bitter and angry. And I'm like, I can't believe this. I'm the one who has to keep giving up my toys. Is this what it is to be a pastor's kid? Is this the way it goes? Kindness didn't fill my heart. It just didn't. A few years later, uh, I asked my parents for a bicycle for Christmas. And I wanted to buy, and I was just, you know, BMXs had just come out. And I really wanted a BMX. How cool would it be to have a BMX? I'd love to have a BMX. So I said, Mom, Dad, can I have a bike for Christmas? And they said, yes, absolutely. The problem is, I didn't know at the time. My parents really didn't have any money. He, my dad used to have a good job being a, a marine engineer, but then he gave it up, became a pastor, had no money. And then we just couldn't really afford to get Christmas gifts. A little sad story there for you, right? And, and so... So, and so they said, yeah, okay. And I remember coming home one day and my brother went, don't go in the attic. Of course, that makes you want to go in the attic, right? So I go up the stairs and I open up the door and I see a bike there and it's a piece of junk bike. It was a second-hand bike that my, that my, that's all my parents could afford. And, and I knew you could see my brother was starting to work on it and he was starting to paint it and he was going to have to fix up the wheels. And my heart just sunk. I just, I just didn't want this bike. I don't want to go down Christmas morning I have to look at that bike and go, that's not the bike I want, right? I don't want to be the person that's put into that corner. But it's difficult sometimes to, to know how to receive a gift that is out of kindness from someone that's given you something you don't necessarily want. Kindness can actually be very difficult. It can be difficult to give. It can be difficult to receive. I want to give you seven ways of kindness and how it operates in our lives. Because kindness is something that God wants us to be filled up with. Jesus was God's gift of kindness to us, but it wasn't necessarily packaged in a way that we wanted it to happen. So here's seven things very quickly of how kindness operates in our life. The first one is this. It creates wealth in your future generations. David came across his best friend who had died. He came across his best friend's son who was crippled. 
And when he came across him, his heart was filled with joy and kindness and compassion. It says this, David said to him, I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. Do you want to lay up riches for your children? Show kindness to the people around them. Even to this day, I received kindness from Mark, uh, uh, Pastor Martin's daughter, Crystal, when I first came here, not because I was someone special, but because of who my father and my mother was. You see, our door was opened up for me, not because of what I had done or I had achieved, but simply because somebody else had been kind. You lay up wealth for your children when you are kind to other people. Number two, no one is born with it. Whether you think, whether you think it's Maybelline, maybe she's not born with it, maybe it's Maybelline. No one is born with it. Colossians 3.12, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, and humility. Clothe yourself with it. Maybe some of you have the same issue that I have is you have that RBF thing. Do you know what that thing is? Resting bee face, right? Which basically means when you're, not, when you're just being normal, look at this, normal. That's not a happy face, right? It's not a yes face. It's a very resting bee face, right? And so, and so if you've got an RBF, you literally have to decide, I'm putting joy on my face. I'm putting kindness on my face. You have to clothe yourself every day. Make a choice to say, I'm going to say yes to people. I'm going to show kindness and it's gonna first come through my face. Number three, it's needed for healing. Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. How is that possible? I prayed for many people over the years. And sometimes they're in difficult situations. They're in traumatic situations. And all they need to hear is the words that the Father needs to say to them. And it needs to come through my mouth and speak to them. And I, sometimes I can see tension balled up inside of them. I can feel, I can see it and I can... I can see it just kind of start to drip off of them. They become untense, they become relaxed. That's a physical healing in their body. Something is changing inside of them. I believe that kindness is needed for healing. Number four, it keeps us from a judgment of God. <clears throat> Romans eleven twenty two says, consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Wait, I thought God was just kind. No, he is both kind and stern. Sternness to those who fall. Sternness for those who fall and, and, and don't follow his ways. But kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. We're always in the position of losing a particular closeness with God if we don't decide to speak his words of kindness. Number five, it earns us a reward with God. Luke 6, 35, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Only then will your reward be great. Sometimes I wonder when I'm driving along, I don't know what you're like, but driving seems to bring out than the unkindness out of me, <clears throat> right? Amen to that. It's like, I sometimes see like the Scrooge McDuck pile of spiritual uh, reward in heaven, right? I can see it up in heaven and then when I get this unkindness that comes out of me, I can see it just kind of start to diminish away and I'm losing coins, right? I'm losing gold coins away from that pile of spiritual reward that I've gained simply because I'm removing my right to that reward. Number five. Six, thank you. Excellent, I love it when people are paying attention. That's good. Number six, it's evidence of wisdom. 
Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth. This is, this is basically the king uh, giving advice to his son and he's talking about what a great wife will look like and he goes, she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Listen, if kindness is not on your tongue, you're a bag of hammers, right? It doesn't matter how smart you think you are, but just because you've got the smarts and the information doesn't make you wise, when you don't have kindness, it makes your, wisdom, it makes your information and, and, and intellect turn into just a bag of hammers. It's useless, right? I remember years ago, Crystal and I were doing a, 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 a marriage counseling session with a couple who are no longer here. And, and, uh, and, the, and, and when we were getting them to discuss their problems, they started fighting quite significantly. And I kept on trying to interrupt them. I'm like, well, okay, well, let's just, well, maybe we, and I couldn't interrupt them. I mean, Crystal was there, I remember that. And I'm like sitting there, and it was like, they just squabbled in front of us, didn't take a breath. And I was shocked with how they treated each other with each other's words. And I got a piece of paper out of my drawer. I got a Sharpie pen. And I wrote a big message on it and held it above my head for at least, two minutes I held it there and it said your marriage sucketh <laughs> and they finally ran out of oxygen and then they stopped and they looked at it now I didn't bring the sign down I just held it there because it's the only thing that mattered they had to admit their marriage stunk and they had to learn how to change their words towards each other or they will never be able to find love with each other. The last one is this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It says this in Romans 2, 4, language of reconciliation. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Now, let me make this connection here. The kindness of God is what made us have a different response other than rebellion towards him. You follow that? The kindness of God made me have a different response other than rebellion towards God. I decided to recognize my old need for him, decided to recognize I needed to change. If you want to see a change in other people around you, in your family, in your community, in your friends, whatever circle you're in, if you're finding you're having broken and, and, and contentious relationship with other people, maybe you have the power to turn them towards you. Just do what the Father did. Show them kindness and maybe they'll change their ways. Maybe they'll change their thoughts. Maybe they'll change their actions. Maybe they'll change the way that you treat you because you have this powerful gift inside of you which is a fruit of the Spirit and that is kindness. And on the morning when I got up and I went downstairs, knowing fine well my, I was going to be given a gift of a junky bike, I went into the living room and I saw that bike and my brother had painted it up and he had fixed it up as best as he could. And I decided to say, thank you for this bike, this awesome bike. I love this bike. And I'm gonna tell you today, I wish I had that bike because it was the kindness of my brother that changed my heart to have a different response that day. I could have gone up and I could have gone downstairs and went, that's not what I want. I could have been the same boy who had, had his toy taken away from him a couple of years ago. Or I could have decided to change. But how do you change? How do people change? Let me tell you, the change, because somebody else shows them love and compassion and mercy and kindness. That's you. You're the one. You're the pizza box with the kindness pizza inside. Nobody cares about the box. 
They want the pizza. You're the box. Father, this morning, forgive us for not being kind towards another. Forgive us for taking it for for granted. Taking it for granted that you have given us so much kindness. Therefore, God, help us to be the ones who are kind towards others so that they can see the Spirit within us and they can ask the question, what do you have that I don't have? Simply a reconciled relationship with our Father. Fill us up this morning with your Spirit and with the fruit of kindness. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you.